Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. Distance in the spirit. So thanks for joining us. Um, Thanksgiving, stressful time because according to studies, the most stressful time of the year is from Christmas to the beginning of the new year. I mean, from Thanksgiving to the beginning of the new year. That six-week period, people go through more stress, more anxiety. They feel most alone. They feel less connected than any other time of the year. And it's not just happening to people outside the church. There's people right here inside God's house that are feeling the same thing. And that's really why God has us doing this little short series about staying thankful through stressful times. Um, We all may face stress, but it's how we process it determines whether or not we're an overcomer or stress overcomes us. And we saw last week as we started this that a lot of sickness and disease is connected to how people hang on to stress and anxiety. Do you know that arthritis, that cancer, that diabetes have all been linked to how people deal with stress in their life? You know, it's not just a dietary thing. It's not just a genetic thing. It also can be determined or brought on by the way we process the stressful times of life. And what we want to do is look into God's word to find out what he says, because he's always got a better way. You guys know that, right? So we're going to just continue with that series. But before we do, I just want to pray. I want to just make sure we're all kind of connected and, and, and put our heart in the place where we're ready to hear from God. You didn't just come to church to get your conscience clean. You came to church to get something from God. Amen? Don't come to get something from me. I'm just a delivery. I'm like the paper boy. I didn't write the articles. I didn't. I'm just a delivery boy. But if you'll put your faith out there, lean into what God has today, you'll walk away better. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. You online, please pray with us. Father, we just thank you for today. We are thankful for everything that you've done in our lives, and we are able to be here to gather together with expectation that you're going to meet us right where we are, and you're going to help us face the challenges of life to go out and not only face them, but to be victorious. Your word says that we are more than conquerors. So we declare that to be so. We thank you that we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive everything you have for us. It's in Jesus' matchless name that we pray. Amen. Praise God. So, you know, it's, it's, it's stressful times, and we understand that. And we looked at some things, and if you, did, if you weren't here last week, you weren't able to, to be on, online with us, then you can always go back and look at the message on, on YouTube, on the Facebook the Facebook. <laughs> you can get on that there, Facebook, and uh, you can also check out our website. We have all of that on there, and you can catch up. Today, I want to kind of jump in where we left off last week, and we're looking at a certain set of scriptures that actually has some steps that teaches us. This is God's insight to teach us how to process stressful times. Our default way without accepting God's instruction, when stress comes, what do we do? We maximize it. We, we, we enlarge it in our minds by talking about it all the time. You'll make more calls to people when something bad's coming than when something good, good is happening. You'll sit there, guess what? My company, profits are down. You know what that means? It means they're going to start cutting back. 
And you know what that means? That means I'm probably going to get laid off. And you know what that means? I'm probably going to lose my house. We sit there and we let that train run full blast before anything's ever happened. Just the thought comes in and then we run with that and we just let it just pile on, pile on. Next thing you know, we're carrying the weight of being homeless and jobless when nothing's even happened. You're still working. But because we let our mind run, it's called the sin of lasciviousness. It means without restraint. And God is showing us that we need to pump the brakes, stop, think about him when we hear the news. Oh, my, my, my company profits are down. I thank God that he meets my needs according to his riches and glory, not according to my job. I think he puts me in the right place at the right time, and he'll make sure my needs are met. Father, I thank you that you'll bless this company because I'm a part of it, and I declare favor over our company, and customers are going to come from the north to south to east. So you're speaking the answers to the problem. And next thing you know, when somebody says, hey, did you hear profits are down? You say, yeah, but we got a big God. Don't worry about it. He's going to take care of me, and if you let him, he'll take care. You can turn what the devil wants to drive you to your knees in fear, you can go to your knees in prayer, stand up victorious, and be a light in a dark place for the people around you. There's a way to do it, right? So, as we're digging in, we're going to start with um, Philippians chapter 4. That's our text scripture for the series. You guys join along with me. And let's look at what it says, and we're going to unpack it a little more. And we're going to look at these four steps. We did the first step last week, and we're going to move on. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, and we look, that, that's a tall order. Man, Pastor Mike, you don't understand. That's for people who don't have problems like I have. No, God's speaking right to you. He's telling you in your situation, make it personal. In your situation, you're to what? You're not to be anxious. You're not to be stressed out about it. But you're to go to him with thanksgiving. Well, is it just the big thing? It's in everything. Everything you face, God wants you to talk to him about it. Don't talk to all the negative Nancys around who only want to tell you what's wrong and how the world's getting darker and how things are bad and, you know, this, this, this political party's taking us there and that political party. God's saying, come to me. Amen. Hear what I have to say. He knows more than any political party. He knows more than anybody in your life. And he says, if you'll listen to me, I'll bring you peace. Look what it says. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, every single thing, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. There's a mouthful right there that we're going to look at. With thanksgiving, you present your request to God. That means you learn how to pray in faith. Because you only say thank you for what you believe is, is going to happen. If somebody you know and trust says, hey, when I get paid on Friday, I'm going to give you 100 bucks. I didn't really mean that. Um, <laughs> Then you're going to sit there, you're going to say, wow, thank you. I appreciate that. I could use it. I want to buy somebody a present. That's great. You're going to start looking for the present you want to buy because you know that person is a person of their word and they're going to follow through with it. But if somebody comes up that's made you a thousand promises and never came through on any of them, hey, I'm going to give you a hundred bucks and I get paid. You're like, yeah, right. I'll believe that when I see it. Loser. You know, <laughs> but it, it all depends on who's talking to you, how you respond to that statement. And God's saying in your stressful times, in the times where you feel overwhelmed, he says, come to me. Ask me. Why? I have three grandkids. Incredible. They come and they ask Papa for things 
And you know what? It blessed, because they'll come and they'll say, and this, this is like, you know, and they believe it, so don't tell them the truth. They'll say, Papa, can you fix this? Because I know you can fix anything. <laughs> That's right. And I will sneak out and buy a new one just to make it look like I can fix anything. <laughs> I got no shame in that. But God wants you to bring it to him so he can fix it for you. Right. He's saying, let me be your papa. Let me be your dad. Really, he's saying, let me be your daddy. And whatever you need, I'm here. But you got to come to me. He won't force his way in, but he's inviting you to come to him, right? Yep. Present your request to God. And it says, when we do this, the way that God says to do it, that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding... I don't have to know how he's going to fix my situation. I don't know what he's going to do to turn that thing around. But I know he's big enough to do it because he's my God. And he says that it will, it will transcend my understanding. And it will guard our hearts and our minds. You know what guard your heart and minds means? It means instead of letting that imagination run the negative way, if you'll stop and focus on him and you bring your request in faith to him, you know he's working on it, even though maybe you can't see it, but because he's a God that watches over his word, you know in your heart he's already working on it. The Bible says that he already, his, his power goes into action before I even finish asking. But we have to ask, why? Because that's the way he said to do it. And, you know, God's funny about things. He's, he always kind of reminds us that he's God and we're not. And if we do it his way, we'll get his results. When we do it our way, we get stuck with our results, which is usually not that good. Amen? But look at this. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, you're staying focused in Christ Jesus. In what? What's Christ Jesus? In the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. Jump down to verse 14, John 1, 1. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. So what does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ means you're focusing on the word. If you want to get to know Jesus, get to know his word. Spend time in the word and you will get to know God. Amen? Amen. Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever is true, noble, right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable, think about such things, and the God of peace, again, here comes that peace, will be with you. There are people that live their life in terror. They wake up afraid. They're always wondering what's going to happen. They go to bed afraid. That's not God's plan. I'm not saying there's anything broken about you. I'm saying God has something better for you. Amen. And if you know somebody like that, you should be praying for them. You should be including them in what you're learning and say, hey, you know what? I, I know you, you, you have that fear, but let me tell you what I learned at church. Let, let, me, let me show you something in the Bible that might help. And you could tell them because they'll believe you before they believe me. I'm just a preacher. You're somebody they're close to. You're somebody they're vulnerable to because you know about what they're going through. So use that position to bring the good news to them so that they can be free from that. Well, Pastor Mike, you saying everybody can be free? He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus can set you free from that. But you've got to do things his way. Does that make sense? So we got four steps in that, in that set of scriptures. There's four steps. They are... Number one, worry about nothing. We talked about that last week. God literally tells us we're not to worry. And I know we got people say, well, I'm a worrier. Well, that's, that's a choice. It's not a design. God didn't design you to be a worrier. Matter of fact, he didn't even design you to carry stress and worry. He designed you to live a life that is free from that. And you're choosing to be a worrier. So if you can choose to be a worrier, 
based on God's word, you can choose not to be a worrier. And God will help you get there. And so will we if you let us. Amen? Number two, pray about everything. What do you mean? Should I pray about what cereal I'm going to eat? If you think you need to, yes. <laughs> you know? If it's stressing you out, count chocolate or Rice Krispies. What? I don't know. Yeah, you know, if you're stressing out, do it, you know? I used to work with a girl many years ago, and she, every time she had to make a decision, she was totally stressed out. She would literally go to the store and find two shirts she liked, and she would be so upset about it, she'd buy both of them. Or maybe that was an excuse. I wonder if that's why Donna does. No, I'm just kidding. But anytime she had to make a definite decision, she stressed out. She literally would get hives and she would stress over little things because she just couldn't handle the pressure of making the right decision or the wrong decision. Pray about what, what brings you anxiety. Pray about what you think, you, God, what should I do tomorrow? Should I keep working here? Should I change jobs? Should, should I move here? Should I get a new place? Should I dump this deadbeat boyfriend that treats me poorly and that always takes my car and my money? God, I don't think that takes much prayer. But anyway, it's up to you. You know, are you talking to me? Am I? But anyway. <laughs> Just kidding. Not really. Anyway. Um, so pray about everything. I mean, you know what it means? It means you can talk to God just like you talk to people at work. You talk to your friends. You have that person that you call when something happens or when something doesn't happen. Well, he didn't even look at me today. You know, you call them and you say, because you want somebody that knows how you feel. You want somebody that will comfort you and make you feel a little bit better. God wants to be your, your hotline. He wants to be the first one you call. Dad, I'm, I'm struggling today. Man, I don't feel like I'm making much of a difference. I don't feel like I'm a good example to my kids. I messed up again. Don't call somebody that's going to tell you, yeah, you're a deadbeat. Call the one who's going to say, that's not what I made you for. I created you to be so much more. You got to believe in who I created you to be, not who you think you see in the mirror. Talk to the one who's always going to have the right response first. I'm not saying don't talk to your friends, but this says to pray about everything which means God should be involved in most of your day, all of your day, right? doesn't mean you become where you, all you do is just, you know, somebody walks by, hey, how you doing? I, I'm praying over here. You know, you don't pray all the time, but you pray throughout the day. We had something happen recently over the holidays, and I was with somebody, and they were, man, it looked like it was going to be really bad, really bad for their family. And, you know, we were talking, and, and, God just showed me some stuff, and we were able to get that done. And it, it was supernatural because it worked out seamlessly with no problem. Actually turned out better than we thought it was going to. And it all happened because I took the time to say, God, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to tell him. But I know you do. And I just took the time just on the way to pray. I said, God, I need help here. You know, because believe it or not... <laughs> Pastors don't have all the answers, but we're quick to run to God and say, help. And you know, he helped me show them and turn things around. And they end up having a great Thanksgiving, great time with their family. And I, not only did I go to him when I needed help, but I stopped afterwards. I said, God, man, you're so good. Because I knew that was beyond anything I would have come up with. But he's right there looking and waiting for us to open the door so that he can come in and make the positive difference. 
Aren't you tired on the hamster wheel where everything goes so far and then falls and goes so far and then falls? It's because you haven't made time and you haven't made room for God to come in and direct those steps to get you off that path and get you on the path where things work. That's what he has for us in a stressful time like this season. It's, it's so important for us to take the time to slow down and say, hey, Dad, talking about God. It's not irreverent. We're instructed to treat him as our father. In, in the New Testament, it says he is our Abba Father, which means he's our daddy. That's what that word literally means. That's the relationship that he wants with us. You take the time and you put him in that place and you listen. You don't just run out the door yelling at him, everything stinks today, God, you know, and you just go do what you want to do. He can't really do much with that. But if you stop, say, I got a big day today and I need some help. And you just give him a little bit of time. It's amazing how he'll show up and he'll direct you on the inside and he'll take you from a stressful situation to a peaceful situation. And everything around you may look exactly the same, but somehow you know on the inside, God's got this. God's got this. He's going to get me through this. I just got to tell you, well, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to end up. You don't have to. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. What is righteous? It means that you're, you're, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've made room for him in your life. So when you're about to go this way, God says, no, 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 go this way. He'll take you right out of that stressful and he'll bring you into a place of reward, of blessing, of victory, of triumph, because that's what he wants for you. Well, I thought God was punishing me. No, God punished Jesus for your sin. He's not going to punish you. If he punished you, after he punished Jesus, he's going to owe Jesus an apology. And that ain't going to happen. God is faithful and just. There is a penalty for sin, but it was put on Jesus Christ. Jesus willingly took it so that we could be free from it. We just have to make room for him in our lives. Amen? Does that make sense? You guys with me? Then after you pray about everything, you thank God in all things. Thank God in all things. What are you talking about? I got to thank God for this. I got to thank. It didn't say thank God for, for all things. That's a very big difference there. It said thank God in all things. In the midst of my storm, when everything's going wrong, when it looks like my life is falling apart, I'm supposed to take time to thank God? Yeah, because you've asked in faith that he's going to get you through. And if you believe he's going to get you through, what is the right thing to do? Thank you. But I don't see it. It doesn't take faith if you wait till you see it. It takes faith to say thank you when you don't see it. If you see it, then you know it. It's, it has nothing to do with faith. It's right there. But saying thank you in advance because you know and trust your God. You've gotten to know him so well that in the midst of the challenge, you could say, thank you, Lord. That I know I'm going to get through this. I know I'm going to be better on the other side. And you're going to get the glory for it. That's the difference maker. Amen? Amen. Thank God in all things. And number four, the way that you're able to stay on course is to think about the right things. Think about the right things. Amen? So we looked at number one. Let's unpack number two a little bit here. And uh, we're going to go on. Number two says, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. How in the world am I supposed to do that? In our scripture, it says, don't be anxious. And I, I heard... So a, a, a pastor say this. She's actually um, my sister, Peggy. She taught this one time. I was really blessed by it. She says, you know, whenever God gives you a don't, don't do, and most of us don't like that. When we think God's saying don't, we get all, ah, you know, I don't, you know, who's out? Tell me what, you know. Whenever God says don't, it's like, it's like when you tell your three-year-old, don't run with scissors. You're not up there going, wah, ha, ha, 
God, ruining his fun yet. <laughs> no, you don't want him to put his eye out because then you've got to take him to the hospital. You're going to have to help him with all. You don't want him to get hurt. So you say, don't run with scissors. When God says don't, it's for your good. It's not to take away the fun. It's to keep the fun rolling. Because how many know the party is running through with scissors? Oh, everything's great until poke and then everything changes. God's trying to get us not to go down that road, not to hit the heartaches, but to go around them. He's trying to show us a better way. Amen? Amen. So she says, every time that God gives you a don't, don't be anxious about anything. He gives you a do. He never just leaves you hanging with a don't. Don't do this. I used to think that growing up in church. It was just a bunch of don'ts. Don't do this. Don't have fun. Don't go out. Don't have, don't like girls. Don't, you know, when I say don't like girls, I mean don't like them too much. You know what I'm saying? So, because when you're a teenager, I'm talking about my life when I was a teenager, you know, I struggled with the don'ts. Got to where that's all I heard was don'ts. And pretty soon I didn't want to hear any more don'ts. So I didn't want anything to do with God because all I heard was a bunch of don'ts. Nobody ever took the time to show me the do's. Do this. Don't do that. It's going to cost you. It's going to hurt you. It's going to take you down the wrong road. You know, it's like this. And I know people get mad at me. But when I tell people, don't have sex till you're married. Oh, that's just archaic. That's, everybody's doing it. You, you get out of my life. You have no right to tell. I'm only telling you that because that's what God says. And if you decide to go ahead and do it, it doesn't mean God doesn't love you. and doesn't mean I'm mad at you. I'm just letting you know that God said there's a better way. Because see, the thing is, when we try to live like we're married, when we're not married, there's no grace for that. There's no blessing of God on that. So you're going to have all kinds of struggles that are going to come up. And I'm not judging you. I'm not criticizing you. I'm not saying you're less than. I'm saying you can miss some of the heartache if you just do it God's way. Well, why would I do that? We're, we love each other and we feel like we're married. That's great. I love the feelings till they get in the way of the truth. You may feel like you're married, but you ain't married. And God says that sex outside of marriage is fornication. Pastor Mike, I am offended and I don't want to hear this. I'm not mean to offend you. I love you enough to tell you what the Bible says. And if you don't want to accept that part, I don't, I don't judge you. I never judge people. I got enough to deal with with this guy. So I'll leave you to you. And let me say this. The culture we live in, that's very difficult. I understand that. But God will meet you where you are. Amen. And you can say, you know what? I really, want to, I really want to live my life the way God has for me. He'll meet you right there with the want to. Not the have to. He'll meet you with the want to. Say, God, what do I do? I don't want to take a chance of losing him if I tell him that we're going to live this way now. He may walk out. God's not going to have you do that. You love the person. You both come together and say, hey, let's, let's work on this. Let's make room for God here. And God will show up graciously and lovingly and say, let me help you with this. He's not up there some, some mean old dude just judging you and criticizing you, stuff like that. He wants you to get to the right place. And maybe that will mean that you say, you know what? We haven't really thought about it, but we love each other. We want to be together. Maybe we should think about doing it God's way. And we can help you with that. You know, and I know this is a hot topic, but I really felt <laughs> to, to share this. And to be honest with you, I would have dodged this bullet 10 times if I could have. But God said, you need to talk because somebody's dealing with this. So I don't know what it is. Maybe it's guilt because you're living the way you shouldn't. Guilt, God doesn't put guilt on you. It's not from God. 
That's the enemy trying to drive you away from God. God says, you know what? I may not agree with what you're doing, but I love you. Come here. Let me, let me wrap my arms around you, love on you, help you get to the right place. He's not up there saying, no, I'm disgusted with you. Now, he, that's not God. God's up there saying, come here, come here. Let me help you. Let me show you. And you know what? You want to go that way? God will let you go that way. He's not going to sit there and say, oh, that's it. I'm done with you. No, you know what God's going to say? I'll be right here when you need me. I'll be right here when you decide you need me. Don't worry, you know, not don't worry about it, but, you know, you, you do what you're doing, but I'm here when you need me. When you decide to open the door and let me in, I'll be right here. He's not up there disgusted, mad, and telling you you're dirty and whatever. I'm not going to keep going on with that. What I'm telling you is life has us chasing our tails sometimes when we don't have to. It's got us doing things that, you know what, it's not God's plan, but that doesn't mean we get up and walk away. We don't get up and walk away. Sorry for you on the stream. Somebody just got up and walked away. <laughs> anyway, so here's the truth. And you know one of the lessons they teach in Bible school is never embarrass somebody in the service. I didn't do well at that class. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ryan, you know I love you, brother. Oh, I just told everybody who it was. <laughs> Payback. This time it's for real. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> What God is teaching us here, he's teaching us about human behavior. The devil will magnify your sin and try to get you to run from God because you feel disqualified and unloved. God say, no, no, I love you and you can come anytime. You can come to me anytime and I'll walk right beside you, right in the midst of your sin because I want to be there when you want me to be there. Doesn't mean he condones it. He doesn't condone any of my sin. He doesn't condone yours. You should see Pastor Chris driving on the highway. He doesn't condone that. God's up there saying, don't tell anybody you're my son. Don't tell anybody you're my <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. Anyway. Anyway, back seat, Ryan, I spread it around. So God's telling us we got to, we, 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 we're, <laughs> I just thought of another one, but I'm not going to say it, Pastor Eric. <laughs> So we have to pray about everything. <laughs> oh, God wants us to go with him with every issue. Anyway, um, <laughs> with every issue, and he wants us to, to bring it to him. What does it mean to come to God and not to be anxious, not to be fretful in everything, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God? What does that mean? Because most of us would just read over that and we think we just, you know, Lord, I just think of it, and then we don't, we don't, it doesn't mean anything to us. When it says with prayer and petition, and the fact that it starts with thanksgiving, bring your prayer and your petition, it means you need to do this in faith. You need to know me, this is what God is saying, hear me, you need to know me well enough to know that this is something I would do. Like, you can't pray for your neighbor's wife. Because, you know, I've had somebody come to me and say that, Pastor Mike. My, this is many years ago. They don't go to this church. None of you even know them, but they, they were so frustrated because the wife they chose, <laughs> they felt was not a good choice, and their neighbor's wife seemed perfect. So they came and they said, Pastor Mike, can, can I pray that I get my neighbor's wife, and I'll give him my wife? <laughs> I said, no, you can't really pray that. Well, why not? You said God gives us the desires of our heart. 
It doesn't work that way. See, faith, you got to pray in faith. When you're praying in thanksgiving, it means you're praying in faith. Well, to pray in faith, you have to know what God's will is, which goes back to the series we just did about knowing God. You'll get to know him by studying his word. So you'll know that when you say, Lord, can I have my neighbor's wife? You know, he's not going to hear that. Matter of fact, he's going to tell you, snap out of it. Be a better husband and she'll probably be a better wife. Right? Man, the women really said, "Woo!" <laughs> so anyway, um, so we got to pray with thanksgiving. What, what, do we, what do we do? We say, okay, I've got to know this is your will. And then what is a prayer and a petition? How do I do that? How do we do that in 2021? A prayer and a petition is literally a specific, detailed, direct request. It's not, God, I think I have the flu. Could you heal everyone in the world? That's not a specific, direct, detailed request. You go to him and you say, Lord, your word says that you sent your word and healed them. That it's your will for us to be healed. So I ask for me to be healed from whatever this condition is. And I ask in Jesus' name. And I believe because I'm asking with thanksgiving, I believe that my healing has already left heaven and I'm ready to receive it. That's what that means. That's what that means. You, you've got to ask according to God's will, and you do it with thanksgiving, which means you're in faith. You don't just say, oh, let's see what God will do. No, no, that's not, that's not detailed. That's not specific. You've got to be specific. God, I'm dealing with this. Help me with this. And when you know that it's God's will for you, God wants you to have a good job. He wants you to have a happy marriage. He wants you to have a blessed life. So you can ask for those things in faith, because if you read his word, you find out that is the will he has for you. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would be in health and prosper, even as your soul prospers. Of course, our soul is our mind, will, and our emotion. So God wants these things for us, right? So we ask according to his will, in faith, what happens? His peace is going to come, and it's going to, it's going to guard. It's going to keep us focused on the answer and not the problem. If you always talk about the problem, don't expect the answer to show up. But when you start declaring the answer in the face of the problem, you can expect the problem to leave and the answer to show up. That's the way God does things. Amen. You guys with me? Have I got you? All right. You guys are taking too long. We got to keep moving. So we ask God according to his will. And we know that because we've gotten to know him through his word. There's a process in this life that God has for us. It's not absentee. You can never have nothing to do with God and expect him to just come along and clean up and to fix everything. What you do is you have a relationship with him and he'll direct you and help you and get you to a better place. But he's not going to do it for you if you're not involved in the process. He's not going to violate your will. He's not going to force it on you. Amen? 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. Unload all your worries on him since he's looking after you. Unload. I like that. In uh, the Passion Translation, which is my favorite one of this scripture, says this. Pour out all your worries. How many? All. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. Don't pick them back up and walk out with them. If you give them to God, leave them there. Walk out with Thanksgiving. I know God's working it out. I know this is going to work for my good. I know that things are going to turn around because I've given this to God in prayer and petition. I've done it with Thanksgiving. I'm in faith. I know it's going to work out. That's how you do it. You leave it there. Leave them there for he is always tenderly cares for you. You got to let it go. 
when your kids are little and the teddy bear's nose falls off and they're crying and, oh, yeah, you know, you can't fix it till they're willing to let go of it. Same thing with our lives. God can't work on it till we're willing to give it to him. We can't hold on to it and scream about it and expect him to fix it. It doesn't work. He says, give it to me. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Make sense? It's really kind of practical. It's not that, that difficult. Giving it to God literally relieves stress and anxiety. There's scientific fact that shows this. And a study by the insurance industry found that people who attend church on a regular basis every week, listen to this, listen, you guys listen, live an average of 5.7 years longer than people who don't. You should go to church just to live longer. You say, oh, that's some church study. Okay, how about this one? Harvard, Harvard, their scientists, their study proves, and it was a 20-year study by the Harvard scientists found that going to church dramatically improves your health. Dramatically, it boosts health. Duke University, they did a study that found regularly active people have lower blood pressure. People with religious faith have less mental illness. According to another Duke study, People who attend church once a week or more are less likely to be hospitalized, according to the study published by the Southern Medical Journal. Members of prayer groups have lower heart attack rates. Uh, a study from Duke found in 2005. I think it's Duke. I, I didn't write that part out, but it's, you can look it up on the line. These are, all, these are not church or religious studies. These are done by secular schools and stuff. So you can see this stuff really works if you just apply it. God knows the right way to do things. We just have to open up to him and let him show us how to do it. Amen. And it's in any area of life. You guys are getting this, right? So why do, why do people go to church live longer? And this is people who regularly attend. This is not people who show up once in a while. And I'm not against anybody. I'm just saying the results from this study from Harvard, or from Duke rather, is, is saying that if you regularly attend, they even in one of their um, headlines said weekly attendance, which God expects me to be there every week. <laughs> he does. You're just putting me in bondage. No, I'm trying to give you more life. 5.7 years longer, as a matter of fact. <laughs> you know, but it just, it, you, things are better. So why do they do that? Because they learn to cast their care. They learn about a God who loves them and is willing to help them. And they don't have the stress of life on their shoulders, but it's their shoulders with God holding them makes all the difference in the world. Amen? I'm just, I'm just showing you some better ways. First Peter 5, 7, the Phillips translation says, you can throw your whole weight, the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for you are his personal concern. You ever hang out with somebody really popular and you know they care about you? Makes you feel good. You know, like if your best friend is the most popular person in school, you tell people, well, you know, so-and-so called me, wouldn't know how I was doing because it makes you feel good that somebody important and big cares about little OU. The God of the universe says that you are his personal concern. He cares about every aspect of your life. He cares about the decisions you're facing, the hurts that you're carrying. He cares about the future you're stressing about. He cares about you. And he's shown us that in his word. So we're not to be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, a specific, detailed, direct request with thanksgiving, make our request known to God. Number three, you ready? 
Thank God in all things. The third step is to thank God in all things. In everything when you pray, all things. Not for all things, but in all things. In the midst of the storm, you say, God, you're bigger than this storm. In the midst of the diagnosis, you say, God, you said that you sent your word and healed them. I receive healing, which is stronger than this diagnosis. But it's, the doctor said it's incurable, but God says you'd have life and have it to the full. Who, whose report are you going to believe? Who are you going to walk with through this? Who are you going to you know, connect with through this situation where you're facing you know, dire circumstances here or a life that's full of blessing and reward? I would encourage you to walk with God and do it his way because he's got something better for you, right? So we need to pray about everything. We need to bring it to God in faith and make a specific direct request. We need to do this because we know he cares for us. We're his personal concern. So many people, they fall into this trap to think, Pastor Mike, I just love God, and that's enough. Love is the most important thing. Love is the most important emotion. It's not. Studies show that love is not the most important, the most beneficial emotion. Actually, gratitude is the most beneficial and important emotion for humans to express, much more than love. And when you have an attitude of gratitude, it's incredible things that happen. It, it, it helps you. Let me just read some statistics I got here because I got to go fast. Studies show that an, an attitude of gratitude actually increases your immunities in your face COVID. I'm thankful for my God. Gratitude makes you more resistant to stress and less susceptible to illness. That's pretty good. Gratitude is very powerful in our life. An attitude of gratitude lets you have a better, happier, and more enjoyable, and even more fulfilling life. You don't believe me? Check the studies. They all support this. This is what science tells us, is when you're a person that has gratitude as, as a leading emotion in your life, you're thankful, your life is going to be better. People that aren't gratified or aren't, don't have an attitude of gratitude, they're never satisfied. You, you, you can do anything for them, and they're always like, yeah, but what about this? And you could have done that, or why didn't they do that? They never are fulfilled because they don't focus on what they have. They only focus on what they don't have. Therefore, there's no sense of gratitude. There's no sense of betterment. And all they see is everything through dark glasses. I, I call them the Eeyores of life. You know, all they do is walk around sad and depressed and want to talk about what's wrong. And I'll be honest with you, I don't like to hang out with them. And if you're Eeyore, I love you. I'll be there to pray with you. But I'm not inviting you out to hang out because you're a downer. Life is too short to be unhappy. I, I believe that. And I, I'll support you. I'll pray for you. But don't expect me to hang with you because I'm not going down that road. I know that gratitude is too important. I know that being excited about what God is doing is much healthier for me than always looking at what's wrong. And I'm telling you, I think God is showing this in his word. Amen? We have to be willing to look beyond the situation to the God that's bigger than the situation and release our faith in him and know that he's going to release his power for us. That's the difference maker. Amen? So that attitude of gratitude, it helps us to, to be better. If we develop an attitude of gratitude, we're going to be healthier physically. We're going to be healthier mentally. We're going to be healthier emotionally, and we're going to be healthier spiritually. And we're also going to be healthier relationally. When you have an attitude of gratitude... Your relationships will go better. I was married six months. Married the girl in my dreams. Prettiest girl I knew. She was awesome. And I just did everything I could do to just bless her. Right? If we got married, I bought her a new BMW. I bought her jewelry. I bought all kinds of stuff. But it seemed like it was never enough. She always wanted more. Yes, I'm talking about Pastor Donna. Some of you are going, who were you married to before? <laughs> 
Thank God for Jesus. He got a hold of her heart. No. <laughs> Literally six months into the marriage, I walked in the door and I looked at her and I said, listen, I'm done. I said, it's over. I'm out. And she's like, what do you mean? I thought you enjoyed playing. <laughs> you know, I do, but I don't like the sense that you're never satisfied. I don't like the sense that it's all about you. It should be about us. So I'm done. I was ready to end the marriage. She had no idea. She was so focused on the screaming Mimi's. Me, 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 I, me, I want this. I, I want, 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 me, 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 you know? And it's just the way that she had got. And by me pouring into her, with that being unchecked, it just got worse and worse. And I thought about living my life with somebody like this. I'm not doing it. I'm out. And you know what? We talked about it. She didn't realize it. She was sorry. Now, those of you who know her know she's a completely different person now. And so am I, by the way. I was no... nice present. I had a lot of my own issues. But it's incredible what God can do when you open the door for him. He can bring the best of you to the forefront of you. He can bring those things on the inside like growth track tonight. He can bring those out and let the world experience the greatness that he put in you. And I have the best marriage I know. I'll just be honest with you. I'm not judging anybody else. I just, I meet with a lot of married couples and I, I am happily married. I don't want to be with anybody else. I don't look at people on TV and say, man, I'd like to. I don't want to. She's the girl of my dream. She's the only one I wanted to be with. I want to spend the rest of my days. I want to die a day before she does so I don't have to deal with the heartache of being here without her. And I'm just, that's a little selfish, I understand, but <laughs> she, she is incredible because she's opened the door and let God get in. And I now know and experience the very best of her. And it, it's amazing. And you can do the same if you'll just let God get in there and, and change things. Amen? What time is it? Oh my gosh. Is it? Oh, it's not that late. But it's late enough. Let's go to number four. Um, before I go to number four, I want to read this one scripture to you. You should jot it down. This is something that you should always remember. First Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances. In the bad stuff? When something really bad's happening? Yes. You give thanks in those circumstances for a God who's bigger than those circumstances. And even though you're in the midst of a storm and you feel like you're overwhelmed, you cry out and say, God, I thank you that you helped me through this, that you'll take me on the other side of this, that you will get me through it and you will stand me up on the other side and I can see your goodness and I will glorify you for what you're doing. God never promised we wouldn't go through difficult times. He never promised there wouldn't be storms in life, but he promised if we stay with him, he'll get us through them. Now, sometimes we'll go over them. Sometimes we'll go around them. Sometimes we go through them with his help, but he will always get us through. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. But we have to remember that in the midst of the storm. Some people, when the storm hits, they run around like a chicken with their head cut off. No, you've got to go ahead and stop and say, wait a minute, God's still God. Even though this is happening, God is still God. And I can turn to him right now. And I can thank him that he'll show up right now. And he will get me through this starting right now. And once you do that in faith, you look back up and the circumstance isn't quite so big. It's it's not so daunting anymore because you've now lifted God up above it. And you know, it doesn't mean it's gone, but it means that you and God can get through it. We're talking about that personal relationship. So number four, we close with this. The fourth step when you're going through this in stressful times is you think about the right things. You've got to think about the right things. What do you think about? That God loves you? That he's already made a way for you? 
that he knew what was coming yesterday before you knew what was going to happen today. And he's got something prepared to get you through it. You just got to follow after him. You know, you say, well, is God the author of all the terrible things that happened? No. We already see that through our last series where Jesus said there's a thief that comes. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus made a very definite separation there. He said, but I came so that you might have life and have it to the full. That's who God wants to be in your life. And he wants to deliver you from death, destruction, theft. He wants to deliver you from the power of the thief and bring you into the blessings of what he has for you. Verse eight is this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So what he's saying is, you know what? In the midst of the storm, you need to keep your mind focused on the right things or you're going to go off course. You've got to focus on the right things. And if you'll let him show you how to do it, he's going to get you to the other side. He's going to take you to the place where you're going to be okay. In the wilderness, last illustration, the children of Israel there, vipers were coming into the camp and, and they were biting people and they were dying. They were poisonous snakes and they were biting and people were dying and everybody's crying out, why is this happening? Moses ran in his tent and started making something. He literally formed out of, I think it was out of brass, he formed the image of a serpent and he put it on a pole. And you say, well, that sounds familiar. Have you ever looked at any ambulance, any doctor's card, a lot of doors on hospitals when you walk in? There's an image of a pole and a serpent wrapped around it. What Moses was doing was giving them an image of Jesus Christ, the deliverer. Just as Christ was lifted up on the cross, he lifted up the image of this serpent in the wilderness. He said, if you'll look on this, you'll be okay. He didn't say, if you look on this, the snakes will go away. He said, you look on this and you'll be okay. Do you know while the snakes were there and biting, the people who stopped looking at the snakes and the problems and the anxiety, if they, the ones who stopped and looked and followed the direction of God and gazed on the serpent on the pole, do you know none of them died? The snakes didn't bite them. None of them suffered the effects of those who were only looking at the problem. They were looking at the answer that God had before them the whole time. Moses knew enough to say, I've got to get their attention off what's wrong and get them to focus on what's right. And by doing that, it turned the whole situation around. I'm telling you in life, get your eyes on Jesus. Stop looking at the problem and look. The problems are going to be there, but God is bigger than the problems. And he wants to help you through whatever you're facing. I don't care if it's addiction, if, it, if it's something you got yourself into. Even if you messed up big time, God will come and walk you through it. And he'll help you through it. You understand what I'm saying? It's not, you don't have to be perfect for this. As a matter of fact, none of us are. You just have to open the door and allow him in. I hope you see this. It's a way you can stay thankful in stressful times. And God's got so much more for you than what this world offers. If you'll just let him come in. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I just thank you that your word went out today. And I prayed over every person that would hear it in this building or on the stream. That they would hear with ears of faith. That it would go deep into their heart. Be planted and produce a harvest for their life and produce fruit for your kingdom. So Father, right now as we all have gathered, your word says that wherever two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst. We're making room for you. And I don't know where you are individually, either online or here in the building, but you do. If you're away from God, it's because you've chosen to be, not that God's left you. He will never leave you. If you've never opened your life up to God, and you think, oh, I'm not good enough, I've messed up, 
There is nothing you can do that out, outshadows the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. People say, oh, Pastor Mike, you don't understand. If I come in that church, the, the walls are going to shake, the roof's going to fall in. Don't flatter yourself. We have much bigger sinners here than you. You know, you don't have that much going on. Jesus can cover it. But you have to open the door. You just feel unlovely, so you don't think God will love you. But I'm telling you, God loves you beyond your feelings. And if you'll open your life to him, he'll come in in a powerful way. So if you're here today, if you're online and you've never made room for Jesus Christ in your life, the Bible says that if you'll just believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus, the, the sinless son of God, lived a perfect life and then died the death of a sinner because he paid the price for your sin, for my sin. That if you believe that and confess it with your mouth, all of your sin will be washed away. You'll be in right standing with God. You'll be in close relationship with him. And you'll be able to live out that life he has for you. Not without challenge. There's going to be challenges, but you and God are well able to handle anything this life offers. So if I'm talking to you and you know it's you, nobody else is looking around. If you're online, I want you to go ahead and do this. I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand, not to me, but to God. It's an act of surrender to say, you know what? I'm tired of doing it my way. And I want to do it God's way for a while. I want to open up and let God have the, the direction of my life now instead of me getting myself in more messes. And you don't have to be religious. You don't have to be good enough or, or you know, holy enough or know enough. All you got to do is open your life to God and he shows up in a big way. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if you'll do this, Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. It's a brand new start for you with God. And he has so much for you. So as I say this, I'm looking around the room. If that's you, I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you. It's nobody else's business. I only want to know who I'm talking to so I can be praying for you this week. But if that's you and you know inside I need to make that choice, then I encourage you to raise your hand. Just say, you know what, preacher, you're, you're talking to me. And then we're going to all pray, so there's no singling out, but you're going to have a fresh start. So I'm looking around the room. Anybody here, you say that's you, you're ready for that? Would you raise your hand? I see your hand. I see your hand. Amen. Praise God. I see your hand. Amen. Anybody else? Praise God. Amen. And for you online, if that's you, if you're hearing this and your heart is just opening up, then I encourage you to just raise your hand to God. And at this time, what we're going to do is we're going to pray as a family because that's the way we do things here at Faith Family. And we're all going to say this together. You guys ready? Father, Father today, today, I know, I know. And, I and I declare that my God, my God is bigger than anything bigger than I've ever done. And I rejoice, I rejoice in knowing that he sent his son for me. I believe, I believe. and I confess, I confess, and now I declare... I'm brand new in Christ. I'm born again from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You know, this is an important message, and it, it, it's, it's, it's very funny how God works this out because we have Grace Presbyterian with us today. Uh, we love you guys, and we're so thankful for you. And we had a little extra time today, and God used it. So um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take communion now. We're going to receive of the Lord's table. And this is not something we do, you know, without reverence. We do it because we believe 
the Bible is clear in what it says. Chris, can you hand me one of those in there? Did anybody not get communion elements when they walked in? If you didn't, then we'll pass them out to you. Everybody have communion elements? It's a little package. If you don't have those, raise your hand. We'll get some to you. Got people pass them out right now. Keep your hand up till you get them. And here's, here's what we believe according to God's word, that when we partake of the communion, that we're receiving the, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ for our good. And the Bible says that when we do this, we're doing it in remembrance of what Jesus has already done. And we're lifting it up. And really what it's talking about is making sure that you keep your focus right. Stay focused on the fact that whatever's going on, Jesus is bigger than that, and he's already paid the price for that. I don't know where you're at, what you're looking at, but Jesus has already done whatever needs to happen to get you through that, to set you free from that, and to put you in a better place. So when we take communion, we do this out of reverence and thanksgiving for everything that Jesus went through and for the fact that God was willing to send his son to pay the price so that we could be redeemed. Amen? So what we're going to do, we're going to put the scripture on the screen. And this is what the Apostle Paul said. One translation says, I'm bringing it to you the same way it was revealed to me by Jesus himself. So we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to do this with sincerity of heart. We're going to do it with reverence to God. This is not a religious activity. This is not something we do just to, to feel more holy. This is an actual stopping of our life putting everything else on hold and saying, we're going to take time to remember the Lord. We're going to remember what he did for us. And by remembering what he did for us, it actually brings the benefit of what he did for us to the forefront of our lives and what we're going through. Amen. So he said this, starting in verse 23, the apostle Paul said, first, I want to pray over this, this, this juice and this wafer, they do not become the body of Christ. They represent the body of Christ. Christ's body is in heaven. He, had a, he has his glorified body and he's in heaven. This represents what it meant for him to go through what he went through and for his body to be beaten and broken for our good. This represents the blood that was shed to ratify the new covenant, to seal the deal, if you will, so that we can have confidence and know that we walk out the new covenant because of what he's done. Okay, that's what it's for. It's to remind us of that. So he said, I, for I pass on to you, this is the apostle Paul speaking, what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. Father, we thank you for this bread. We thank you that this wafer represents the body that went through so much torment so that we could be set free from our sin and we could walk in newness of life with you. And we thank you for that. It says that he, they took bread and gave thanks and they thanked God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body. Go ahead and get your bread ready. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember the Lord. And then in verse 25, it says, in the same way, we do this reverently. He took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. So as we drink this today, we're remembering the Lord and we're making room for him in our lives. Let's remember the Lord. Father, we thank you for this. 
We thank you it represents the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and we receive it with gladness. In Jesus' name, amen. Just for a second, I want you to reflect on everything that you're set free from. You're set free from addiction. You're set free from bondage. You're set free from wounds. You're set free from guilt and shame. All of this, as we remember the Lord, we realize we're set free from so much. And we walk in righteousness before God, which means we're fully entitled to everything the new covenant offers us. Every promise of the old covenant is yes and amen to us because we've received Jesus Christ. So see yourself separated from your your sins and the things that have happened and the negative things of life. And now see yourself walking in the fullness of what God's provided through this covenant with Jesus Christ. And then verse 26 says, for every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Father, thank you for this. We ask you to bless the rest of our day. Thank you for meeting us right where we're at. We thank you for the three people that raised their hand to receive from you. And we just give you glory today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, one thing that we do, and if you're new here, um, we kind of get a little crazy. It might not be the way you pictured church, but I can't keep these guys in line. They get a little wild. No. But when we celebrate somebody got born again, we don't do it in a, oh, thank you, Jesus. We kind of get a little crazy about it, but I wanted to tell you about it so you didn't freak out and run out the door. Uh, We get excited because we know what it means to be born again because we walked out of that and we're now walking in the newness of life. So for all you who got born again today, we say this. God is so good. And uh, like it or not, you're part of family now. So... We might be those crazy relatives you got that you don't, but that's who we are. Uh, We love you. We're going to go ahead and end our service by glorifying God and and bringing our offerings and our tithes to him. It's a way that we worship God. If you want to do that with us, uh, there's no pressure, but we would invite you to do it. Again, it's God's instruction. Uh, You can do it online. You can drop it in the bucket next to that. You think he's uh, Abercrombie and Fitch model, but that's really our usher, Sean, back there. Uh, The bucket's right next to him. You can drop it in there. There's a square out there. You can do it. You can do it on your phone. You can, you can, I, you can do it in a lot of ways right there, right? So I love you guys. I know we took a little bit longer, but it was important. And uh, you never want to be too busy for people coming to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for today. And uh, we just rejoice knowing we can face this stressful time with a bigger than that attitude. And we know we go forth in victory because you go with us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you guys very much. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook.